The Mallard Report is recorded in front of a live virtual audience on the Duck Pond. Tuesday nights, 9 p.m. Eastern, live. Mallard.com. M-A-L-L-I-A-R-D.com. One more thing before we start. Let me turn it over to my friend that you may know from Ancient Aliens and the Curse of Oak Island and many other things. Robert Clotworthy. On the Malliard Report, the views, thoughts, and opinions expressed on the show are solely those of the hosts and guests, and not necessarily of Evergreen Podcasts, KillerPodcast.com, sponsor or affiliate, or any other individual or group. On the Malliard Report, the views, thoughts, and opinions expressed in the show are solely those of the hosts and guests, and not necessarily of Evergreen Podcasts, KillerPodcast.com, sponsor or affiliate, or any other individual or group. I want to welcome everybody to tonight's show, which is always fun and exciting. Um, never know where it's going to go. And tonight I have one of those guests where you never know where it's going to go. My guest tonight is Tom Lehner. <laughs> How do you say your last name? Because it's Laird, it, yeah, Tom Lehner. It froze me because my last name spelled differently, and I went, oh, wait a second, I can't pronounce oh, yeah, it like you me. got a little, yeah, I-A-R-D <laughs> going on there too, right, right, right. And okay, so how do you say your company name? Because I don't even want to butcher that. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's Expedia Interaction Marketing. Oh, I could have went there. I could have got that. So right. <laughs> I should I should have. And then you could have, I probably still would have butchered it. So, okay, Expedia, give, you said interactive um, marketing, but get, yeah, get interactive like, marketing. Go ahead and tell people what that, yeah, go ahead and tell people yeah, what that so, is. And then we'll get, we'll get the elephant out of the room and then we'll get into the other stuff. Yeah. So, hey, hi, everybody. Hey, my name again, my name is Tom Laird. Um, I'm the CEO at Expedia Interaction Marketing. We're about a 500, 600 employee call center in Erie. Um, we're in Ebco Park. Um, I have a podcast as well um, with a pretty big call center and contact center following. Um, that's called Advice from a Call Center Geek. Uh, but basically, my, our main job is to work for brands. So a lot of brands that you've heard of, you know, one of them that I'm allowed to talk about is is like Melissa and Doug, right? They're, they're a toy company, right? Well, Melissa and Doug outsources their customer support. Um, so we work with banks, financial services companies, tech companies, retail companies, um, that are that outsource their customer support, and uh, you know it's like what I tell people when you got a credit card and you dial that one eight hundred number on the back of the card, you know depending on who you're calling, you may actually be just calling us. So we're a USA based outsourcer. So that's surprise. I mean, okay, we'll play the stereotypical thing that most people right now heard, having heard that are like they they're people that are still call into America companies. Yeah, they're believe it or not, and that's kind of been our draw, right? Uh, I will tell you, it's it's the the reason that you see. I mean, I don't. I think it's pretty obvious, but I mean, to give you some even price ranges, just the the cost is different, right? So there's brands that say, hey, you know, USA based customer support is a core piece of our culture, and you know, we're going to pay that, you know, anywhere from from twenty six to to thirty five dollars an hour to do that. Or you have other brands that. I'm not saying that they don't value customer support, but maybe they're just so huge that at some point in their growth, they, they couldn't afford it. Or they just say, hey, you know what? The bottom line is the bottom line. So you can go you know, offshore to the Philippines, to India, and you can be paying in the $6, $7 an hour range, right? So you see kind of this big shift and big difference in, in cost. And when you're talking about a, a, a giant brand that maybe has 10,000 seats, yeah, that nut gets pretty, pretty big pretty quick. So- you know, we have found that, you know, SMBs and, and getting into that really under $100 million companies um, that are that are in growth kind of trajectory, those are really kind of in the sweet spot for USA support. And also, you know, depending on who they are, right? Banks are still huge, depending on who you are. Regional banks, right? The PNCs, the Northwest, uh, the, 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 the credit unions, those types of things are still you know, really hardcore in the, into customer support here in the state. So, Retailers, you know, it depends on, on kind of what your culture is as well, uh, but it's really based on on kind of where you think customer experience lies on your the trajectory of your company. So, okay, take me back. How in the world did you get into this mess? I mean, <laughs> so, I mean, it all sounds great, but uh... yeah, I mean, kind of a kind of a cool story. I mean, I, I think so. I used to I used to be a run the the I was head of call center operations for another BPO in Erie. Um, started in the late 90s. I've been doing this really my whole life. You know, we work for large financial services organizations. So, you know, Bank of America, Citibank, Chase, GE Capital um, at the time. Um, so all these big, you know, giant 
Uh, I think at one point we were working for like 15 out of the top 20 credit card issuers in the United States. So we thought we were doing really great, but then 2008, 2009, 2010 happened, right? So people call it the, uh, the Great Recession. Well, it turned into the Great Depression uh, for us. So all of our clients you know, were, were financial services. So they went under TARP. They bailed. They went offshore. You know, when Bank of America stock goes to two bucks, um, you know, that's an issue. So customer service really took a, a real back seat to, you know, just really maintaining the company, maybe even staying out of bankruptcy for, for some of the other organizations. So we had some private equity guys come in and they ended up buying the organization and, hey, everything's going to stay the same or just get you through this. Well, three months later, they basically fired everybody. So I had lunch with, you know, what, what was awesome is I had this table of just people I've worked with for years and we have a ton of experience in client services and I had programmers and I had supervisors and call center managers and HR professionals. And I said, hey guys, I wanna go do this. Let's try to do this again. I'm gonna go try to raise the funds. Let's try to do this. And um, most of the IT guys bailed, right? Cause IT is, <laughs> you, know, you can kind of do that anywhere. Right. Um, and that's, I think an IT mentality, right? Um, but I had about, I think at the time there was four or five of us that said, hey, kind of if you build it, we will come. So I did for about a year and a half. I went out and, and tried to raise capital, which was extremely difficult when you're just really bootstrapping from nothing and ended up getting four investors to invest about 250,000 bucks, which was not a lot of money. Uh, but we started with four employees and we have just grown it in Epco Park um, ever since. So every year, I mean, the good thing is we had a Rolodex. We had the track record. Whoa, 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 wait, wait, hold on, hold on. Sorry, we got to stop you there for a minute. Yeah, Rolodex for those young people who are listening to the <laughs> right, <sorry. laughs> I had the LinkedIn profiles. Um, I had the uh, right. <laughs> so yeah, so we started and uh, things have gone really well. And now we're you know we're advancing beyond. And I know we kind of talked a little bit about this in our in our quick uh, text messages here, going back and forth. But you know, we've advanced beyond just the customer support aspect, which is. You know, it's it's fun, but moving into the Web3 to the NFT space, servicing Web3 NFT companies, more on the digital side, getting into Discord, um, really getting into where I think things are moving to, um, at least hopefully moving to in the in the space. Well, I was so trying to stay a little bit ahead of the curve. I was going to say, I mean, obviously, people of that generation that I just had to joke about the rule decks do, right, are more likely to email, text discord you mentioned for for help than call somebody so i mean i think yeah. there is a big big market coming that way yeah and, we, and we've seen it right we've seen the our voice traffic has gone down from you know 80 percent of our calls to about 65 percent of our calls we're seeing more facebook we're seeing more twitter um you know we're even getting into people commenting on on tiktoks for companies that we're integrated with um also seeing things really chat has, has really taken off as well. And then, and then you start to get into the whole self-service thing with, you know, the bots and kind of the AI and the natural language processing. And, you know, we'll do some of that as well. So it's technology has, has totally revolutionized this whole space, especially in the last 10 years. And also customer channels have totally changed and continue to change. And I think that's, that's on a ramp upwards. So voice goes down, all this digital aspect goes up. So you mentioned some major social platforms there. Where, how do I say this? Where do people try to seek the most help at? Yeah, I mean, still it's it's Twitter, right? Twitter is has turned into kind of the, the digital customer support center. Uh, most brands now even will have a, a Twitter handle, you know, for their support, right? So we integrate with with our brands that have that integrate directly. So when com when somebody says, "Hey, I got an issue. My package never got delivered," or you know, whatever the problem is. We don't go respond. We're not looking at Twitter. We're kind of, quote, the system is listening, right? We're integrated with it. It'll pop into our screen. We can route those those interactions like we route voice calls, right? So we can send them to different reps. We can prioritize different channels over others. But, you know, we'll, we'll just respond to those like a chat. And then it goes back, you know, right onto the Facebook. And we're having that conversation with, we're not really on Facebook, but we're kind of on Facebook. And that's kind of what we're doing now with with Discord, with all these NFT projects and, and companies that are starting to come out to be able to listen to multiple discord servers at a time without having to just constantly be scrolling and reading. Yeah. I was going to say, because there's, I mean, uh, 
a wide range of things out there, and it's hard to be everywhere. I mean, I just can't imagine, but it sounds like you have a platform built that you, well, are more able to be more places than than not. Which yeah, is I mean, you, 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 technology is everything today, right? I mean, if you 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 can't just be a butt in a seat, right? There has to be. You know, our agents are not only taking calls, but then on top of those calls, there's speech analytics that is kind of scoring every single call that they have. They're scoring the customer. They're it's listening to the sentiment to the if a customer's pissed off or not, right? If they're happy, um, we can tell. Hey, if our rep, we had a real cus- a customer that came in that was angry but left positive. Like we can score all this stuff, right? And then we can tell brands. You know, we we know the keywords that customers are saying. So. It's really cool when I can tell a customer, hey, 35% of your customers used the phrase too expensive yesterday for that new project that you guys launched um, when they were calling in to support. So maybe you got to look to maybe pivot your marketing or maybe your price point isn't right. So, you know, the call center has turned into this big data thing with a lot of technology that is not just answering calls, but now it's trying to feed um, organizations with, with information as well. So I thought when I heard this that that person was full of shit, but it sounds like to me, maybe I'm wrong, but maybe well, it sounds like you're headed this way that like the, there's an AI person, well, bot listening to the call as well. And it will tell the, the human interacting, not maybe not necessarily what to say, but more give them some potential outcomes that would help the person on the, the angry caller. I mean, Jim, you just almost very eloquently and perfectly described uh, what Agent Assist is. An Agent Assist is a new technology. In fact, my next podcast, there's the CEO of Level AI. And Level AI started as an Agent Assist company. And how that works is the customer calls in, the customer starts to have all of their words transcribed by the, by the server. My reps or the agent's words are all being transcribed. AI is then looking at the transcript and trying to figure out what the heck is going on on the call and how they can assist the customer. And Oh, I'm sorry. I should say assist our agent right? better. Prompt them to say, hey, maybe there's a cross-sell opportunity here. Hey, here's a knowledge point on the uh, product that had the wheel broken so that you, know, you don't have to go search for it. All that stuff is happening right now, and, and that's – we're not seeing AI. Everybody talks about AI taking the, the customer service center over by just, you know, the, the talking. The talking isn't there yet, right? The brain isn't good enough. But what it is good enough for is to assist all of our agents in their daily jobs to make them just quicker, uh, make their, their life easier, and to try to help them as like a, like a supervisor that's constantly there but giving them, giving them tips. Which in turn, right, we'll, we'll play this out to the ultimate end makes the, the call center more productive, which makes the the end caller happier because they don't have to be on hold as long when somebody looks something up. If it pops up on the screen, they have it available. Makes that call exponentially more short, which is a win for everybody. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, the, I mean you, we kind of joked about the post I just did on LinkedIn, right? And everybody talks about wowing the customer, right? Yeah. They talk about, you know, creating raving fans. And that's all bullshit, right? That's all... Uh, <laughs> Uh, you know, things to write books, that's for consultants to come in and say it. You know, the, the bar has been set so low for so many organizations. I mean, call Delta Airlines, right? Call, uh, call the paper. <laughs> oh, it's company. not and say we did, okay? <laughs> right. So it's so low and it's so bad that how you wow the customer, right? And all these brands get so scared of it. All you need to do is, is be a step above competent, right? So a customer calls in, you can answer their questions. They're not waiting in line for a really long time. Um, they get what they want and they get off the phone with you. They don't want to be wowed. They don't want to be asked how their day was, right? And give, give all these fake, I'm sorry's, right? They just want to have a competent person that can help them. Um, and, and I think we're seeing that with, with the AI. It's, it's making our reps more competent because it's giving them information much quicker. Um, and I think that's what's really leading to a, a little bit of a better customer experience for people other than this, you know, this whole, whole wowing concept that I still can't even define. Okay, we'll get back to the wowing concept because obviously that was one of the drivers of this conversation, which is wowing in and of itself. But anyways, um, with the AI though, does that worry you to a degree? Because like we we kind of beat around earlier that it's able to be. I mean, it's global, so it can be outsourced and it can be done cheaper. 
For me to stay here and say that AI will not take the contact center over and customer experience over at some point would be the dumbest thing and the most naive thing I could possibly say. It is absolutely coming. Um, it's not close. And when I say close, I think it's it, it may be 10 years away. I mean, that might be close depending on how you look at it. Um, but every single contact center is starting to evolve. You know, and that's kind of the digital aspect with us as well. Um, getting into different types of projects, moving away from just voice customer support, getting more into the AI, getting more into chatbots. Um, I still hate them. I think they stink. I think the technology is not there. Every time I post that on a LinkedIn, I get, you know, 4,000 people, you know, calling me bad names. And then I'm like, hey, let's do a demo. I'll have you on the podcast. You can show your stuff. Nobody wants to do it. <laughs> um, so, you know, but, but no, it's coming. There, there's no doubt. I mean, Google... And Amazon, I mean, they're they're focused totally on on language, natural language processing, and, and trying to figure that piece out. So, I mean, you look at Alexa, and you look at what the, what that person or that that thing can do right now, um, and the questions that it can answer. That's just evolving. So, no, I, I think the the contact center as we know it, you know, will be, you know, I always say, and I know this sounds really crazy. I think in ten years, the actual contact center of having reps answer calls and handle interactions is gone. I see it more as, and this is gonna sound super weird and maybe I'm crazy, but having having contact centers and customer service agents in the metaverse, right? Sitting at home with some type of virtual reality, having a, a customer who wants that one-on-one -on -one interaction, you know, to be able to, to, to go to the bank, go shopping, um, go to a retailer, go to, uh, you know, some other place that they, that they need to pick something up. You know, all just transporting in the metaverse and also, you know, being able to stop and, and talk to a customer service person for, you know, a bank or something like that as well. So there, there's so much that, I mean, I think where things are moving that maybe I'm, I'm a little bit off the wall with some of it, or at least that's what people keep telling me. Um, but the technology is just, it's there. I mean, we're starting to use it now and you can't, I just find it very difficult to see that it's not going to be there in a, in a 10 year period to a point where we're using it daily. Well, pre-COVID, I think you would have sounded off the wall that people could work from home and be successful yeah, no, and all this other. Point, right. But now it's kind of, I don't want to say norm, but closer. Yeah. I mean, and again, I don't think that people are spending an hour a day, you know, in virtual reality, right? They're not wearing those glasses like that. It's kind of a fad right now. But, you know, when, when you have Facebook, love them or like them, decide that, hey, we are going to change our entire business model as one of the top revenue producing countries companies in the world and we're going to shift our whole premise of existing into the metaverse into creating you know these glasses that are going to work for people to, to making the the experience in the metaverse just like here now, there's something there that you know i think if we don't agree with that we're kind of putting our head in the sand um it's not there yet uh but you know neither was most internet companies in 1999 right but you look at you know 2005 2006 2010 uh, there's there's a big shift, and that wasn't very long. Yeah, I was gonna say, just take a look at Amazon and how they transformed the marketplace and short order. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. From like a, from a bookstore to what, what do we need? We can order yeah. it right now. <laughs> yeah, and, and you know, I, I you know, not to get off on a tangent as well. Like you know, I'm a big NFT and and, and kind of blockchain person. You know, really think that technology is super interesting. Um, don't know where it's totally going yet, but you know. Everybody who's kind of poo-pooing that as well, it kind of does remind me of like what you just said. Like, why would I ever need to go, you know, buy a book online? I can just go to the bookstore. I would never put my credit card um, online. I would give that to a company and put that online. Right? Like, oh, purchase something or is, has their main purchasing power. You know, through through the internet. Yeah, it's. I, I mean, I remember that hesitation. Now it's like, sign up, take my money. <laughs> right. What do you mean? Right. It looks it's, like it's a suspicious website. Right. Just click. Just click. It'll be okay. If not, I'll call the bank. Uh, <laughs> so, here's okay. So you mentioned well on customers, and this is like I said, this fascinated me because I. I podcasters for the people listening to the show know i love talking to them because it's a nerdy community right we all kind yeah. of at the end of the day no matter what your podcast is about there's still that common structure between us all 
Okay, so at the one hand, you're saying you're not trying to create raving fans for your business, but on the other hand, you've got this podcast out there who, at some point, you want people to talk about so other people listen to it. Yeah, and, and I think, you know, I'm speaking specifically, you know, in that in that contact center context. I think you can create raving fans. I think, you know, there needs to be an, an organizational kind of uh, cultural shift of the entire organization, right? It's not good enough to say, hey, when, when a customer calls in, you need to wow them, right? You know, I don't, again, like I said, I'm not really even sure what that means. I think, you know, that's not really what customers are expecting, nor do they want. Um, having said that, yes, you know, you talk about niche nerdy. I mean, I have a call center operations podcast, right? <laughs> I mean, and it's even called Advice from a Call Center Geek. So it is as kind of niche and nerdy as you can get. I think the thing, though, is, is how, you know how we wow, right? We're not wowing by doing anything like, hey, thank you for calling today. I'm really sorry about that. Like none of that works. Well, how we wow, you and I, is we add value, right? We add entertainment, right? I'm trying to help as many people as I possibly can without charging anything, how to run their contact center better, how to be a better manager um, in your call center. Um, what is the newest technology that's coming out? What is this AI stuff, right? Trying to keep everybody who's, know, maybe a little bit, you know, runs a, runs a 15 seat call center in Dubuque, right. And, and really isn't not been exposed to a lot of the other contact center things. So, you know, that's kind of how I'm wowing, right. By adding value to my customers or to my followers. Um, and I try to do that on LinkedIn too. And, um, you know, that's been really the two portals that we have used. I don't have any salespeople in my organization, right. I have no one that is their, their position is, sales. There's nobody that does that at all. We have just decided that we're going to create as much content as we possibly can. We are not going to sell at all. Um, and we're just going to have people then end up calling us when they need help because they, I'm not saying they know us or trust us, but compared to other organizations, this person's probably spent hours listening to me. Um, they've, they've asked me questions on LinkedIn. I've helped them in any way I possibly can. And then that's been really the way that we have marketed in the in the 2022 kind of framework of, of where we are. Um, no Google AdWords, uh, no paid search other than promoting posts that that have had a little bit of you know love on the content side from organically. Um, but it's it's kind of a it's a different structure, and I keep telling people it's the greatest time to be a business person. It's the greatest time to start a business. You don't need to have a ton of money like you used to have to have. You just have to be creative and you have to be able to put the time in to create content. Um, and I think that's that's really the marketing slash sales that, that people aren't getting. Um, and the people that are, you know, first of all, you're having fun with it. And second of all, you're really, I think, making a little bit of a name as you're adding value to, to your followers. So I'm aware of who that comes from. Because I follow him too, and that's amazing that you're executing on that. And he would be very proud of you. And I'm going to mention his name, even though he's never going to listen to this. Yeah. Right? And that's Gary Vaynerchuk. Correct. Correct. Yeah. So, and I just went. Um, it was May 3rd. I did a four D's, right? Which is a oh, four I, D's deep dive. I love those. I watch those on YouTube. I, yeah. I, hopefully, so you, I helping. mean, hopefully, right? We, him, and I had a like a 15 minute conversation on the future of of customer experience as it relates to web three and NFTs, like really cool conversation. Um, but no, so I did a four D's deep dive. I went up to, uh, to Vayner in New York. There was dinner with about eight other companies the night before to kind of get everybody loose and everybody comfortable with each other. And then really you just did a, a, a whole day of, of personal branding, branding for your organization. Um, thinking about TikTok, thinking about LinkedIn, thinking about what to post, how to post, what times to post. Um, really cool. It's the second one I've done. Um, I've been a, you know, a huge follower of it because when we started Expedia, I was trying the, the traditional web two social media route, right? We were buying ads on, on AdWords. And when I found out that it's $60 a click for customer service, right? I just, I couldn't afford it and I didn't know what to do. So I scoured the internet and said, you know, is there, there's gotta be another way. And I found a couple people. And then I found Gary. Um, and really that started to kind of springboard and it kind of clicked to me like, dude, I just need to put the time in. I mean, the time is not a problem. Um, and I've, I've kind of grown to love it. Like it becomes part of your nature. 
Like if you look at some of the things we've done, like if I have a meeting with my supervisors and as long as there's nothing proprietary, they know that's getting filmed and they know that's getting cut up and that's going to get posted um, because that's really good stuff that I think adds a lot of value to, to a lot of people. So it works. Um, and it's, we've not only seen it work, we've doubled down on it, just hired another, um, like a digital artist um, in, in creating a content creator um, to help us with TikTok because we're, you know, we really have not been doing really well there. Um, so we're going to try to kind of focus on that as well as we, as we continue to grow through this. Simply amazing. Just saying for the record. I mean, like I said, I've been listening to him for, well, probably COVID kind of slowed, slowed it down a little bit. And I, this was needing yeah. something to keep the engine, the mind going, so to speak. And I found stumbled across him and I like people that say fuck. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. I don't say it a lot myself, but, uh, you know, it just keeps. Well, keep... I mean, if you, and, and, and Jim, I don't know how much, like I'm, I'm B2B, right? So I'm on LinkedIn. Like that's my channel of preference. And if you, you look at nine out of 10 posts, they're just, you know, they're ads. They literally are ads for, for organizations. And I love it. Cause that makes my content stand out, yeah. right? When everybody's just posting that and you're posting things that are actually helping and that are interesting, um, it, it makes a huge difference because what's that person doing? Then they're going to go click on your LinkedIn profile. Then they're going to go click on Expedia. What do you guys do? Then they're going to go on the website, right? And then they might probably do, they'll stop there. But if there's ever a need, I'm going to be kind of, I'm coming front of mind. And that's kind of what we've seen. And I told you this, and I guess I'll tell the world this until we get a little nerdy about podcasting here. When I need a guest last minute, I go to LinkedIn. No question. <laughs> right. Right. And it's, it's just sad. Like my wife thinks I'm a loser too. Cause I just, I mean, I'm on my phone and I'm like posting, I just posted a LinkedIn post at like, whatever, what time is it? Like nine, not yeah. right before we did. Yeah. I was going to say so. in, that, in that gap while we were talking, you were posting away. So, I mean, <laughs> right. Well, it does. I think, I think it becomes a part of you. Like people talk about like, I can't post, you know, four times a day. I can't post twice a day. I mean, we're, I'm probably posting, you know, with now I have a team of, of really one other person right now that is, she's constantly creating content, but we're, you know, we're probably six to seven times posting on LinkedIn. But when I was by myself, I was at least four to five. Any thought that popped into my head um, that I thought could add value, any video, I would just take 30 seconds, you know, the call center tip of the day for 20 seconds. Um, it's not hugely time consuming. Everybody gets, does, they get wrapped up in the perfection of it. When I think it's more genuine, when it's just me talking on my phone without anything, right? That's, that's like the, the core of, of what I'm, the essence of trying, what I'm trying to say without having the, the highfalutin like banners and all that crap that's all around. <laughs> um, and I think it, it adds more and makes you more genuine. Yeah. So, okay. So back to the podcast. Let's get, let's get nerdy with that. I mean, it, it seems yeah. like it was a logical extension, but I mean, YouTube's an option and there's all sorts of options. Why, why, why podcast? Um, I think <laughs> to be honest, I wanted to try something different. It was 2018. Um, and I think to be honest, I probably heard a, a Gary keynote talking about, you know, Alexa, um, and the, you know, how voice is starting to really come into play. And, um, I looked and there's not, there was no call center operations podcast. I didn't think there would be, but then I thought, you know, there's a lot of big, big, big contact centers. Um, so I'm like, dude, this, this is kind of ripe, right? This is something that we could definitely do that is not going to cost me anything. So, you know, I w at that time I was writing a ton of blogs, right? Trying to do like a blog a week. So I had a ton of content from the blogs. So how I started was I, I did podcasts and most of my podcasts I'm by myself, right? It's just me talking about a topic, uh, how to coach better, you know, uh, technology. You know, we kind of talk about that, like any, any kind of operational thing that I can think of to help. Um, so yeah, I, I, we did the first like 10 or 15 episodes just like that. And then it would just, things would pop into my head. And then once we got to about 75 episodes, um, people started to take notice and people started to ask to come on. So that was the first thing. And then I said, okay. So I started to do some interviews once or twice a week or a, a month. And we, we, the podcast is every week. And so we, we did that for a while and then. I started getting backlogs of people wanting to come on. So then the, the podcast has been monetized now for about a year, year and a half. Um, and to be honest, I make about 10 grand a month um, on the podcast, right? So it's two episodes and, you know, it's, it's public knowledge. It's five grand to come on the episode to kind of be a sponsor. 
you're not allowed to sell. You're just allowed to talk about your channel, talk about your technology, talk about you know how that what you're doing is relating to the industry. Then obviously, you know, we we kind of just you know put your banners up and all that. So it, we have a, uh, we just had our 152nd episode um, the other day. We have another interview coming next week, and you know even I have found the the greatest thing is doing AMAs now, right? Once you kind of have a little bit of a community, right? To do every Friday, we call it Friday Happy Hour, and we just do from one to two o'clock every Friday. I just go on. Sometimes I have a guest, sometimes don't. I have no agenda. I have nothing to say. I would literally sit there and do work until somebody comes on and asks me a question. And when they ask a question, then we get into a conversation. And then those have been kind of posted to kind of add to the podcast um, and also been some really good content as well. So, yeah, I mean, I think that's kind of the the origin. It, it, and people quit after like, you know, five or six, seven episodes. I mean, we had like 30 people listening for the first probably 30 episodes. Like there was nothing. Like some episodes got like 10. Right. But then all of a sudden it was literally, I mean, I remember it was like episode 67 when we got like our first thousand, it went to a thousand. I'm like, holy shit, this is crazy. <laughs> like, was then it, it broken? Kind of be- kept- then there's always that thought, was it broken before? Yeah. Right. Is this, <laughs> are these numbers wrong? So no, it, it was really cool. And I keep telling all my friends and, and other business owners here in Erie, they're like, Tom, I, I run a rubber company. I can't, I'm like, John, that's the greatest thing ever. No one is talking about that at all. And all, you don't need 100,000 viewers or listeners. You need 50 or 75 of the of, of, of really hardcore rubber guys, right? Uh, manufacturing, like all these, these really niche industries, I think, are the, the ones that really scream to have a podcast, right? The ones that you would think no one would ever listen to. And for the most part, you're probably right, other than that core group that you really want to have listened. Yeah, and I'm sitting here thinking like rubber companies and manufacturing companies. That's built-in content, right? I'm just sitting here yeah, talking. I mean, you having an cool interesting it. conversation. Yes, right. <laughs> and the people that I mean, think the people you could bring on the you know if if you brought on you know five or six of your of your customers, right, and that kind of gets out, and people want to get on. I don't know. I, I I think it is a it's an untapped treasure that is super easy. I mean, people again. Jim, I'm sure you you see it too. People get caught up in the technology, right? Like, hey, I need this space with uh, soundproofing, and <laughs> yes. I need you know. All, I literally have a like a fifty six dollar Yeti mic snowball. Oh, right? snowball! And I, I'm talking. I'm t- right. I'm talking on my computer in my basement. Um, so, I mean, the excuses for the technology are just like the, those are just lame excuses to not get started. But just start talking, right? Start talking. Do it for ten minutes. Um, and then just keep doing it. You're hundred percent right. I mean, that's kind of the, I mean, I've been doing this show for 11 years now. Good God. Yeah. Hey, how did you, how did this get started? I'd love to hear that. <laughs> You're, so now he's flipping the script on me. Here we go. <laughs> uh, well, I, I told you it was, it's a paranormal spiritual based show, right? So it started, I'm a yeah. ghost. Well, I was a ghost hunter and I wanted to talk to more ghost hunters. So what do you do? Start a, start a podcast and you start talking to people and then, well, how do I say this kindly? Some of them, it just got kind of tiresome, uh, hearing the same things all the time. So you kind of wedged out a little bit and then you got into some UFOs and Bigfoot and wedged out again. You had a conspiracies yeah. and wedged nice. out again. You know, you got into a little general human interest and then you're like, Oh shit, it's too wide. And you bring it back a little bit. <laughs> right. Then you, you get it. Then you get a call center operations guy. Yeah. And then you go, Oh, let's go a little bit wider again just because, but I, I think there's value here though, man. Because it, people were interested back to the conspiracy. I mean, we'll put conspiracy on this for a minute that, you know, everybody's out to, you know, end the world. There's AI and technology. I mean, you know, like it's still relevant. No doubt. Well, how about, I mean, not to get on this topic, but what, the, we just had the first, like, congressional um, UFO hearings. meetings on it, committee yeah. meetings on it. Yeah, see, like I said, it, it, it's out there. Okay, here, okay, so people have been... Okay, so we're going to dive into some local stuff here for a minute. Are you an okay. Otters fan? Because I have... I am Cap- an Otters fan. I have Captain um, Canada in the chat room, and he'll kill me if I don't ask you that. Nice. No, I am. I mean, we... we I don't hit as much with the kids, and I, I, I coach basketball, too. I, I'm a... I coach at Villa, which some people might like that, or some people might hate that. Right now, my oh, kid, my listenership. Well, listener. that, remember that thousand? Well, we're back down the thirty, right there. No. <laughs> so, it, so my time during the winter, a lot of times, is is tough. But no, the kids love it. 
we go to we go to as many games as we possibly can. It's super fun. It's awesome. It's great when they're fun when they're really good too. I think they're getting there. So here's the other the other fun one. This is the other eerie question for you. Now back back in the paranormal investigating days, I was there, and I, I've I've got my own thoughts. But have you ever been to the brewery downtown, the old train station? I have. I've done the thing, and it is so awesome. And do you think it's it's, it, it's haunted? And and I didn't. I could see how it could be, um, but nothing really nothing really happened when we were when we were there. Oh come on, lie to me. So tell, tell me it was the greatest thing of your life. <laughs> no, no, I'm just I mean, kidding. <laughs> listen, I'm a believer. I'm a, I'm a I'm a total. I mean, you don't. I'm a total believer in it. Um, you know, I've had experiences. I think. You know, everybody can kind of talk about their experiences. I think I'm more open to it. My mom was always kind of a, I don't know if she's like a witch, but, you know, she was. <laughs> oh, well, well, know, wait, we're going to have to, this show's live. We can't edit that out. No. She was, I mean, you know, like she was the, the go to Lilydale. And so, I mean, I've been to Lilydale, so I'm kind of open to it. I kind of believe in it. Um, but no, it's, there. there's, all I'll say is there's something else out there that we don't know about. And for, for, sure. and for the listeners out there, Lilydale, New York is just flat out a magical place. And I say that with the most reverence and kindness. I don't take that sarcastically. It, it, it does throw you to a different time and place for whatever that's worth. It's, a, it's amazing. And, and even if you don't and you just want to go relax and almost a, a meditation place or just the world just kind of feels just light there. I don't know. It's, it's just a really unique village. You know, no cars. Uh, just just super cool. Yeah, go turn your phone off and get away for however long you're there. Yeah, and it's super close, not far. Okay, so there's your local knowledge bit for everybody who is local. But okay, so I'm supposed to ask you, has he seen the glitter bomb videos on YouTube from the guy who sends them the fraudulent call centers throughout India? Yeah, I have actually. Um, so there's a lot of, you know, we don't do any outbound. Um, and to be honest, to, to do outbound is, I don't want to say it's, it's illegal, but you for every customer, everybody that everybody that's listening right now, if there is somebody that is just cold calling you and you have not opted in, right? And they're especially if they're calling your cell phone, it's totally one thousand percent illegal, right? I think all of us know that all the robocalls are totally illegal. Um, yeah, so the, these guys are pretty shady with what they do and the scams that they will pull, um, especially with how they're 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 doing the dialing as well. Um, but it's it's bad. I mean, it's it's outbound is turning to because all the legitimate companies are now really done with it, right? Like I'm not going to call outbound other than if there's a specific thing that my customer wants to maybe call their customers to schedule them for an appointment, right? Like, you know what I mean? Things like that. Um, but we're not, but that's, they're calling their customer. They're not calling me exactly. saying, Hey, you have so, a bank account with us. And I'll be like, exactly. So I think that that's what's happened. So all the good guys are gone, right? That were trying to do things legitimately or had those type of calls. And now it's, it's just, it's terrible. Um, you know, what is going on, especially with people who, you know, might not, might be elderly, might, you know, think that they really did win, that they can be a little bit more vulnerable. It's, it's, it's really bad. If, if there's any time that I get a, a text message from somebody that says I won something, if I get a call, you know, I report everything because it's like my call center. I don't know, like I'm trying to do something for the industry because everybody thinks it's so damn slimy. Um, and then the outbound stuff probably is right now. So I report everything like I, F, the FBI, um, and the FTC is, is, is a, a, a favorite on my, on my Chrome. Um, so I, I do that. And I think that that does help as well. Um, uh, but you know, it's frustrating and, and it's scary with, with some of the things that people will pull and how good they are at it. So well, let's add value to that for those people out there. Who, how do you go about reporting one of those? I mean, you said you have it on. So there, there, yeah, there, you can, you can go to the FBI website and then the FCC and the FTC as well. They all have their own kind of, you know, pages that you can put in. And basically they just ask what the phone number was, what were they trying to do? You know, just give them the baseline information. And I will tell you probably 15% of the time, less, way less than half, but still, if I do, I don't know if I do every 10 I do, I might get one or two. I will actually get a phone call back that they'll ask me more questions. Um, so there are people that are looking at this. There are people that are trying to stop it. Um, I'm, I'm all for stopping all of it. You know, the robocalls are what really is gets me. Um, cause my phone blows up just constantly. Cause the thing is I've been on so many seed lists for 
you know, mail drops and things like that that we've had with clients that my, my name is everywhere. Um, so <laughs> any, any list that anybody's buying they're, they're I'm, I'm on it. So. Yeah. I can't imagine that's gotta be good times. No. Yeah. <laughs> that's interesting. Well, junk mail's nice though. I mean, at least gives you a reason to go check your mailbox. Yeah. Right. And throw stuff. <laughs> mostly, most of the time, throw stuff out. But I think you're starting to see it. And, and again, I don't want to take this, this over, but you know, the, the, the NFT space yeah, and where crypto is and where people are having wallets and they're having NFTs that are worth hundreds of thousands of dollars stolen, um, that they don't understand what links they're clicking on. Uh, they, they, they're getting, you know, phishing scams are happening on Instagram that thing turn into discord and they're taking over moderates. It's scary. Uh, um, so we're at a, we're at a place with that, I think as well, that, is kind of holding back some of some of the growth of of that crypto space, that NFT space. But I, I see kind of like that outbound thing is it's it kind of always reminds me of you know the, the whole phishing thing is just it's brutal, especially for people that you know are vulnerable, think they did win something, they need something good to happen in their life, they click on something and they lose everything. Um, and it's happening just way too much in, in in some of these spaces. Yeah. So the NFT thing is kind of interesting because. I, I'm aware enough to know just be enough dangerous enough, but I don't own any. And you've, you've mentioned kind of doing some service around that. So obviously you're a little bit more deep into it than I am, obviously. Um, so how does that look? How does that look? I mean, as, as, I mean, last few weeks, Bitcoin has kind of taken a bath. So we're just going to leave that out of this yeah. conversation for a minute, but I, I think it'll rebound at some point, but so, okay. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. I have a ton of thoughts. Um, yeah. You know, the, the first thing is, yeah, Bitcoin has Ethereum is, you know, like at 1700 You know, two months ago it was $4,200. Um, you know, people that were, you know, had NFTs that were worth. I mean, I, I probably own, I don't know, maybe 80 to 100 um, NFTs. Kind of got into the space early. I mean, early meaning last year, right? <laughs> I was going to say, we're still early in the space, but continue. Right. So we're, I mean, we're crazy early, but, you know, some NFTs when, when Ethereum was 4,500, you know, was worth, you know, 80 grand, you know, those things are worth, you know, 10 or 15 now, right? Some of the things that were worth a thousand bucks are, are down to, you know, 300. And then some of them are worth nothing. And that's probably the, the, the vast majority of, of my portfolio, right? I have some really good, some are all right, but a lot that are terrible. But having said that, I think that this is really good, right? Having this kind of, I don't want to say it's a winner yet, but having this pullback into the wild, wild west of people thinking that this was a get rich quick scheme has, has pushed a lot of these people out of, of the NFT space, out of the crypto space. And so now what you're starting to see, and, and I just, I've been to a couple conferences on this. Again, I'm pretty passionate about it. Um, the builders are starting to, to, to build, right? The people that really believe in it, that are here for the long haul, the, those projects are starting to now evolve. And all this fluff of, of the, you know, the, buy 10,000 pretty ponies and, you know, all this, you know, stuff that has rarity with very little utility, you're going to start to see a lot of utility in very little rarity, right? So, you know, I tell everybody, in the next five years, everybody listening to this, you're going to own an NFT whether you want to or not. Every single sports ticket, Steelers, Browns, Bills, you know, Penguins, all of it, um, they're all going to be NFTs. Um, you're going to start to see startups fund their businesses with it. Um, it's going to be kind of a, a anything that you could really do a, a contract with or any way that, that a customer or, or a business wants to kind of keep track of what's holding something and where it is in the process, the so logistics, all of this type of stuff that goes way beyond board ape, right? That actually has real life business use cases is now all starting to be built. And that's what we're doing at Expedia Digital, right? We want to be there to be able to service, you know, those type of, of companies that are in that 10, 15, 20 million um, range that are starting to come out that are legit, that aren't trying to pull money, that are in this for the long haul, Um so it's it's a unique space. It's a super scary space. You got to do a ton of research before you even dip your toe in. You know, I went down the rabbit hole on YouTube for hours and days. Um, I'm still not an expert on it by any means. But again, I probably know enough to be dangerous and enough at least I've educated and gone to a bunch of shows and and tried to get myself to the point where 
you know, I think that we could do something from a business model as well to, to kind of move our, our, our core cu- customer service center to something that has to do um, and is in this space that I think is about to explode. So the, the duck ponds kind of livened up about this, and they're kind of wondering, is it like Beanie Babies or Cabbage Patch dolls or baseball cards or what? What if they? Because some again NFTs are kind of new, and people are trying to wrap their head around it. Where do you compare it to? Because Beanie Babies had the big yes. big spike, and now they're worth next to nothing. I think I think ninety nine percent, and this isn't me. This is a lot of people. Ninety nine to ninety five percent of every single NFT project that is out on the market right now will fail. Um, but that is exactly kind of what happened during 1999 to, to 2004. And what happened then when, when 99% of them failed, but you still got Amazons and Ebays and some monsters that came out of the crowd. And the people that are doing this properly, the people that understand what the technology means, right? And, and just remember this. So NFTs are just, you know, the blockchain is really what we're talking about here. NFTs are cool and they're, they're, they're a piece of software, right? They're layer two that is written on the blockchain, which is which is layer one, right? So the blockchain is the actual technology. So don't blame shitty NFT projects, right? That people have done really poor jobs and tried to take money and, and try to rug people, right? Don't assume that that means that the technology is poor. That's like saying, you know, when these dot-coms went bankrupt, that the internet sucked, right? No, we just used it totally wrong and didn't understand how powerful the technology was until a couple people said, oh, whoa, we could do some really cool things with this. Um, so yes, all those projects were, were big on rarity and they were trying to be first and they're trying to do some things. But now what you're starting to see is is even SaaS companies, right? I, I own a piece of software um, and the only way that I get access to the software is I have to connect my wallet and I have to have the NFT in my wallet, right? And that gives me access to the platform that this software is on. So there's going to be a ton of that type of thing that you're going to start to see. Because the cool thing is, if I don't like that software anymore, instead of just canceling the subscription, I go sell it. And somebody else goes and buys it. They have now access to the software. Plus, the company gets a kickback of it's normally like 10% of that sale price. So that's why you're going to really see sports teams as well. Like, I'm shocked that it hasn't happened already. Like, the Steelers, you know, if you have uh, – you know, you go buy a ticket – and instead of getting the ticket, the actual physical ticket, you get an NFT. And let's say that Kenny Pickett throws for 400 yards or 500 yards and seven touchdowns in his first game. Well, not only now do you own that ticket, just like you could have a ticket stub, but you own that digitally that has your name on it. You can also sell it. And every time that ticket gets sold, and the Steelers would love for this to happen, because these 65,000 people that were at Heinz Field, if 30% of them or 20% of them sell it, the Steelers are getting a 10% kickback on every single one of those sales. That could be thousands of dollars. So it's kind of this, this, this annuity as well that will constantly be continuing for organizations, especially sports teams, where they have rabid fan bases that want to have a piece of that, uh, a little bit of that uh, the fun that happened at the game. Well, so plus, there, there's just there's a lot to it. And plus, even say I can't go to the Steelers game and sell you the ticket. They get a kickback on that before the game even happens. And you're guaranteed a legitimate seat, not me printing them off on my Lexmark printer. Exactly. Account. Exactly. And, and it's it's actually written, you know, it, it, fraud tickets would go away, right? Because it's actually written digitally. That can't be changed of who owns that ticket, right? And if, if you wanted to go buy it, it's got to be then in my wallet, right? So then technically I own it. So it, it takes away a lot of the, the security aspects of people getting burned on on shitty tickets as well. And, you know, the technology needs to evolve. The technology is still too difficult for most people to be involved, right? For you to have to go buy Ethereum on like a Coinbase site, which is kind of like TD Ameritrade, right? Think of it like that. And then you have, you know, a wallet that is on the internet that then you need to move that money into your wallet then to go connect to sites to go buy things, right? The process is going to be streamlined, but it is too difficult at this point to... To, to really get a lot of just, just regular people that aren't tech savvy, that really aren't into it, that just want to just use the technology without having to, to think about it or read a book, right? Which is most people. So, but I, I think you're right. I think that's coming faster than we want to believe. Just for the record, for those people out there who are like, oh, but remember, as I hold up my iPhone, right? <laughs> right. 
Remember when this used to just play music? <laughs> right? <laughs> I know. And, and I, I think I, I get into, not arguments, but I, I try not to argue. I try not to be defensive. I try to understand that you know, there, I, don't, I don't understand it enough. Like, I don't. Like, I, I'm, just, I'm just getting started with it. But when people just say NFTs, they don't understand the, you know, the utility behind it, that you can write, you can program things into that back end and you can program them in perpetuity, so you can constantly change and evolve your, you know, your what you're offering. Let me just say this too: one of the things that I'm seeing in the customer service world that I have clients and brands are starting to talk about is loyalty programs, right? Where let's just say uh, Macy's, let's say you know this is a bad number, but just for to make it easy, let's say they sell a thousand uh, loyalty cards, right, to all their customers everywhere, right. So those I think would maybe be worth a little bit of money. Maybe you get 25% off every single time that you, that you, that you shop. So just like what we have now. But here's the cool thing is Macy's says, Hey, you can stake these, which basically means you, you kind of put them into cold storage on our site. So now there's only out of those 3000, there's only maybe there's only 1500 of them to sell. And the price of that number goes up. But why would I want to stake it? Well, every day that those get staked, I'm getting Macy's bucks. And maybe Macy's bucks are worth uh, a certain percentage to a, a a wedding dress that I want to buy, right? Maybe there's there's seven things that that are just super crazy deals that if I stake, I'm going to get this crazy deal. And then also people are going to be able to see this, want to buy that. They're going to try to buy these loyalty cards, but now there's only a thousand of them, which then really raises the price. And Macy's is now getting that kickback. People are kind of fighting and arguing and the loyalty just kind of, kind of goes through the roof because everybody is, is kind of you know, dripping for, for having one of these loyalty cards. So I think you're going to see a lot of that. And then gaming is the last thing and I'll shut up. No, no, good. Uh, I, I'm enjoying it. And I have, I have a follow up, but gaming might answer my question. So go ahead. Yeah. So uh, pay to play is going to be the, the, probably the first thing that you're going to see starting this summer. Um, I talked to a lot of, of CEOs of, of companies, and this is kind of really how we got the idea for Expedia Digital where, you know, they're, they have venture capital of, of 50 to 75 million bucks. They have, you know, 40 programmers all around the world. And basically they're creating games. Like think about Fortnite, right? Yeah. But instead of just, you know, buying skins that stay in the game, um, you're actually going to be rewarded, right? With tokens, you're going to be rewarded with skins that can then really be sold in the marketplace. Um, you know, on the blockchain. So we know who owns them. They're going to be rare ones, not rare ones, right? Things that will have different um, different powers that you can own and then sell. Um, so you're going to see, whether we like it or not, people that are really good at this are not going to work, right? When these games come out and they're as good as they are and you get really good at them, people are going to be able to earn a living, right? Just playing by owning you know, the NFT to, to get into the game and then by owning kind of this whole plethora of, of NFTs that they can collect during the game and then sell to other people. So it's, it's pretty insane. Um, I, I'm kind of back and forth on that, but I mean, it is what it is. And you're going to, I mean, my kid, my son, he's, he's seven and I mean, he loves Fortnite. He's really good at it. So I'm like, I don't know, maybe we just move to this game and maybe we can make some money too. Well, I, I'm thinking, um, but I'm thinking, you know, if you remember Pokemon Go, I'm sure you do. Yeah, you know, maybe absolutely. your son doesn't. I mean, there were people walking around, walking off cliffs trying to get these Pokemon, and yeah. there's no real value to them. But man, if you put some value behind them, oh exactly. god, oh god! Exactly. Remember, so, out there, I mean, be, be safe when you're playing these games, folks. <laughs> I mean, think about. I mean, having a, a Pokemon, right? And, and there's a crypto coin with it, right? That's actually worth money. Yeah. Right. So you're you're going to to, to collect those, and then. You know, you get the red ruby, and the red ruby is worth ten thousand of these tokens, and you sell it. Um, it's it's a different world for sure, and it's it's interesting. But I think gaming is going to be flipped on its head. Um, you know, and and I think that happens this year. So my question, you know, this has kind of been rattling around in my head, and you're going to be the perfect person to answer this because you've probably thought about it for yourself. Podcasting. How do we get this in the NFT space? Because I'm interested, curious. All right, I, I got you here, Jim. I got you. So this is what I'm this is what I'm going to do, and this is how I'm learning, right? Because again, I don't know how to do a drop. My programmers are at, at Xpeed are just learning how to do smart contracts. I mean, we're brand new to it, like everybody. So what we're going to do is for advice from a call center geek, we're going to do a 30 token NFT drop that's going to be totally free. 
right? So the only thing you pay is gas. And think of gas as, you know, for everybody, it's like a, it's like a transaction fee that you have to pay, right? Um, and, and it's, you know, probably for what we're talking about, 20, 30 bucks. So with this token, for all of kind of my hardcore followers that, that listen, you know, it's, it's basically an access token. So it's, it's 15 minutes with me on a webinar, you know, four times a year to talk about your call center. It's doing a twice a year doing a 30 minute training with your entire team, you know, whatever you guys want to talk about, whether it's your leadership, whether it's engaging reps, you know, I bring my whole team with it too. There's a, there's a kind of an emergency button. Like if shit hits the fan in your call center, you're not sure what to do. Something goes wrong. Like I'll pick up the phone within 30 seconds um, with a, spe- a certain special line. Um, we have certain webinars that just the, the community is going to have certain um, LinkedIn groups. So, and also gear, right? I mean, gear, everybody wants gear. So to, to give them free gear um, or extremely discounted gear, cause I'm giving it away free. Um, I think is, is something that, you know, we're looking at. And then again, Anytime that that thing gets sold, if there ever is a time, you know, you get out of the space. I love the call center, but now I just got moved up. I'm an executive VP of marketing. Um, instead of just canceling this, then you can sell it. I don't think I'm going to make a ton of money on it, uh, but I think it's going to, you know, be able to give the community more access to me in a refined way of just, you know, not getting like LinkedIn, LinkedIn. Hey, can you talk to me? Can I talk to you? Can I talk to you? And I, I try to do as many of those as I can, but now it can be like, hey, go buy it. Go buy a token, right? And they're not going to be expensive. No, right on the secondary market, but time, I think that's a really time cool is money, way to, right? to do community. Yeah, yeah. So, so I don't know. That's that's what we're trying to do, at least. It's a good thought. Like I said, I've been trying to do, figure it out. I've got some old episodes that, well, some are you know priceless, and some are quote unquote priceless, right? The the better value that somebody might like to have. You know, if we put out ten versions in the world, absolutely. You know, somebody, you know, there might be a demand someday for it. I'm not saying there will be, but. Maybe somebody no, out there like the cool. game. That's a, that's a good idea too, right? To to do some of those, maybe your top, and maybe they kind of quote unquote own that episode, or yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, there's there's some things with that for sure. Like I said, I've been kind of tossing around in my head, but it was good to hear that you've been thinking about it, and I'm sure we'll yeah. circle back around and think about it some more at some point. But <laughs> Tom, no, my man, no, no. yeah, I I gave you the easy out earlier. I promised you that if it wasn't going well, you could just hang up on me. Right. I mean, does everybody know, like literally you, 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 you talked to me like 10 minutes before this and like, Hey, can you come on? <laughs> Luckily I had everything here. Yeah. I was like, I don't want to say begging you, but I, I just had, to, I just knew that it would work in a big way. Right. And it did. So no, absolutely. I'm glad, I'm glad you, uh, I'm glad you hit me up. This was fun. So I appreciate you immensely and uh, go otters. Oh, one last question before I hang up on you here. Um, favorite breakfast food or favorite breakfast. Well, I'm a, I'm a huge uh, make your own omelet guy, um, and and I'm kind of uh, I, I like the meat. I like bacon. I like a lot of cheese. I know people don't like mushrooms, but I like some mushrooms on there too. I'm a I'm a sausage, and I like the the hash browns. I don't like the home fries. I like the the stringy thing. So that's kind of my that's my breakfast of choice. All all in the om- all thrown together in the omelet, or the hash browns on the side? No, they got to be on the side. Got to okay. be on the side. I might I might even throw some ketchup on them. Oh boy! Oh boy! <laughs> You remember that thirty we were just had a minute ago? No. <laughs> Somehow we're pulling negative listenership now. I don't know how that works, but no. I thank you much and um, have a good. Well, have a good rest of your evening. Yeah, Jim. Great meeting you. Great talking to you. Appreciate it. Talk to you again soon. I'm sure. Yep. Bye. And yeah, literally, I, I gave him the uh, the ultimate out card. If he wasn't happy with the way the interview was going, he could just uh, hang up. Didn't even have to say bye. I don't do that for guests often, but uh, when you're kind of running up into it, you kind of run up into it, and you kind of give that to some people, and it's all well and good, right? But I've, I'm seriously convinced we got the par- the paranormal, the technology, the customer service side, the podcasting, man, that's what I love around here, right? We can just go out and find interesting people all day, every day. In from Erie, and if you haven't been to Erie, you need to get to Erie. It's a great place. And Lilydale, if you get to Erie, you need to go to Lilydale and, and save the save some time. It's a great place too. But with that being said, talk to you soon. It's the Mallard Report. Yeah, the Mallard Report. Hey, I want to thank you for joining us. It's been a good show tonight. I hope you enjoyed it. Take a few moments, subscribe, share, all the fun stuff. You know how to do it. 
I don't have to tell you. Just uh, be ready for next week. It'll be sooner than you think. Hey, everybody. Science, science, science. Hello, podcast fans. Want to get weird with us? Come check out the Mad Scientist podcast. We are a weekly show that looks at the history, philosophy, and hard facts behind your biggest paranormal questions. Did the government really pay for a psychic spy program? Yes. Is it true that surgery got its start in grave robbing? Yes. Can a roller coaster really kill you? Legally, we can't say so for sure, but sometimes... Yes! Join myself, Chris Cogswell, and my co-host, Marie Mayhew, as we examine the science, philosophy, and history behind the strange and unusual. All to discover what's possible and plausible versus what's, well, just made up. Check us out wherever you find your favorite podcasts. The Mad Scientist Podcast.